Hello and welcome to another episode of Freelance Party Broadcast. Today, Jess and I Hiya. are again recording from our houses. Jess, how's your work week been? It's been a good week, actually. I think things are getting a bit quieter now. Everything seems to be very busy at the start, but I'm starting to feel a bit more settled. I have my routine sorted and I feel like I've got my head in the game a bit better to sound like Troy Bolton. How are you finding working from home? Yeah, I definitely feel like my cabin fever's gone down a bit. I feel like my panic phase is over and I'm like, okay, right, I'm only in control of what I can control here. So may as well just embrace it and kind of take in the moments that I can, the moments where I'd be commuting or I'd be going like meeting to meeting, having moments for myself and also getting decent coffee, I have to say. Glad I've got a Tassimo. <laughs> that's the thing that I miss is having someone else bake like a coffee for me like have a really someone who's better at making coffee than me because I just use instant coffee we don't have a, a coffee machine so I'm really missing Starbucks <laughs> if you like iced coffee you should try and make the whipped coffee have you heard of it I saw that you made it I saw on your Instagram or something that you made it so what is whipped coffee so basically for those iced coffee lovers you would get a teaspoon of coffee lot of instant coffee you can get a teaspoon of sugar as well and literally add two teaspoons of water and you just whip it you whip it for ages and then it goes into like it looks like a golden cream kind of thing it's insane and then like how much comes out of just two teaspoons of water is so weird and then you just pour a glass of cold milk or whatever put it on top and it's such nice iced coffee. It's so good. Oh, that's really interesting. I might have to make that. That does sound really nice. It's really good. Well, okay. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I swear we start all our podcasts with like talking about what we've been eating or drinking. I know. So on to today's podcast, we're joined by Stewie Yorich, who's head of IT for Freelance Corner. Hello. Stewie, you work in IT for a freelance organisation, so I feel like you're pretty clued up on the IT technical issues that freelancers might face. Um, I'd like to think so, yes, but I suppose this is actually going to put my knowledge to the test now. That's exactly <laughs> what we're here for. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the hot seat. Thank you. Well, I guess we can start with a very simple question we'd like to think, just to warm you up a bit. What would you say is the most common IT issue that freelancers can face when they're working from home? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. Primarily, it's your setup, really. So where are you working? Are you working from your desk, from your bed, from a sofa? Unfortunately, not everyone will have enough space in their own home to have a full-on setup like you would in an office, so desk, arm mount, multiple screens. So then it's also your comfort levels. So we all know when we're in an office, we have a nice ergonomic chair. Now companies are spending a lot of money in ensuring we're all comfortable and in a safe position to do our job. As we know, we're all in lockdown at the moment. So I am now working on my bed. So I'm not in the most comfortable position. Um, and a number of freelancers will also have that just in their normal daily routine. What else they will also have problems with is their internet. Unfortunately, the fiber rollout across the UK isn't going as quickly as the government says it will go. So most people won't have access to high-speed fibre broadband. Now, luckily, I do, but that's just because I've moved into a new build. But uh, most people out there will still be on slow copper cabling. In rural areas, they might even be on a dial-up connection. Is it true that because there are loads of people working from home, that makes your Wi-Fi slower, or is that a myth? Um, it's a good point. It's not a myth. 
you know, I wouldn't get too worried about it if you notice that your, your Netflix is starting to buffer a little bit. We, we, you'll notice it every day anyway. So at the moment, yeah, most people are working from home. More people are using the internet. So yes, you will notice a slight drop. And that's because most residential areas share the same internet lines. And the more people using the same line, the more traffic they'll be on and that will cause a bit of a speed drop. Would that also affect phones as well? Because a lot of people will hotspot from their phones if they don't have Wi-Fi. No, I don't think that would be affected because it uses a different technology. It's not going over the standard cabling that your standard broadband will go over. So that shouldn't be as affected. Who knows? I'm, I'm no phone expert, but I think you should be fine on that. One thing I'm interested in is as you kind of touched on, some of us are having to work from our bed. If you're in a house of multiple occupants and there's a, a few of you working from home and you're trying to connect to the same Wi-Fi, do you have any tips on how to manage that? Are these Wi-Fi extenders that you can buy worth the money or is there anything you can do to make that a bit easier? Well, that's um, a good one. So yeah, why, I'll touch on Wi-Fi extenders. And yes, they are useful and they can come in different varieties. If your router's in your kitchen and you're in your bedroom, you just plug the extender into your bedroom plug socket. It will just pick up the signal and replicate it at a stronger signal uh, strength. They're not the best. They do a job, but I, I wouldn't recommend them because you also have the alternative power line extenders, which plug directly into your router via an Ethernet cable at one end. And then you have a sister plug, which you plug into your bedroom, for example. And that will take the internet and throw it through your power sockets and then through your cabling, through your walls, and then out the extender on the other side. Wow, I, I didn't know that existed. They are a bit more expensive. How much roughly would you say? Like what kind of price point? At the lower end, um, you can get away with a two pair, which would set you back between 20 to 30 pounds for a lower end one. Right, okay. Then you can go all the way up to the top, top level and you, you could be setting back four or five hundred pounds for a more reliable setup. Jess, you sound interested in that. Are you having problems with your Wi-Fi? <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's funny you ask, actually. We uh, <laughs> opted to upgrade our Wi-Fi. So we're now on fibre optic Wi-Fi. Yeah, is that the right term, Stewie? The fibre? Yes, yeah, so fibre optic is the kind of, the, it's the replacement to the standard copper cabling that was uh, put in the initial rollout. Oh, okay. Well, we've got that anyway. So we boosted our Wi-Fi because Nick and I thought that we'd both be working from home, but he's not working. He's been furloughed. So it's just me. So I've actually got quite good Wi-Fi. <laughs> so no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy one of these, but I, I know like my, my, at my parents' house, they're both working and they could definitely do with an extension for their Wi-Fi. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's where the interest is. <laughs> so extenders are great, but they can only go so far to improve your internet speeds. Some other things that you should take into account is the line speed that you get from your internet service provider. So the more money you pay, the better line speed you get. The next thing would be your router. Is it out of date? Does it need a firmware update? And also, where have you put the router? Your internet service provider will suggest putting it in an elevated space and not next to any electrical equipment. That's something you could try. If you, if you put it next to your microwave, sometimes the internet signal can get a bit frazzled. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea about that. Is there like a best place to have your router then? Well, any internet service provider will suggest putting it by a window. 
I don't know why, but apparently by a window is a good idea. And just in a open space where it's not going to get affected by any um, electrical equipment, such as a toaster or a kettle. Oh, interesting. I wanted to ask a question about losing documents because it's something that I do a lot is I'm working on something, then I don't save it. And then my laptop crashes or something and I lose that document. And it seems to be an issue that loads of freelancers are having at the moment at home. Yeah. They don't have a, an IT guy that they can harass via email <laughs> and be like, what do I do? So uh, I wondered, if you've lost a document and you haven't saved it, can you recover it? And if so, how? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. And it's also very common in an office um, scenario. So not just a freelancer working from home. But yeah, the way I like to break it down into in terms of when you've lost a document is there's four different scenarios. So I'll go for each one briefly. So someone listening can go, oh, that was me. And they'll now know how to do it. So if you've closed, say, um, for example, I'm going to use Microsoft Word here, or this will be the same in any Microsoft application. So if you've closed it without saving it, obviously, when you're closing and you've not saved it, you will be prompted to save. So be on the lookout for that. But if you've just clicked no and you don't want to save it, there is an option from inside Word that you can actually go into the recovery section. So if you go into Word, then go into the manage documents section, there is a button called recover unsaved work. And what you do, if you click on that, it will pop open an explorer window and inside the Windows Explorer will be your file. That's so good. Faye's mouth is like her jaw has dropped. <laughs> I had no idea that you could ever do that. It's important to note, though, that this is recent documents. So if you've lost a document, say today, it might still be there. If you lost it last month, it's probably not going to be there anymore. Yeah. The amount of times that I've lost my documents, I've just had to start from scratch, like on the same day. Well, now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first way. What's the second way? So the next way is if you've um, had a system crash. So we all know computers aren't, they're, they're reliable to an extent, but every now and then your system will just have a hissy fit and turn off. So can you recover something if you've had a crash? And the answer is yes. With that, next time you open Word, you should see on the left-hand side uh, where you'd usually pick what kind of document you want to create is a recovered items. So Windows is constantly silently backing up your data in terms of Microsoft Word. And if it's detected that your system's crashed and it's not been saved, it should be there. That is good. What's the next way? So the next way I've put it down is have you actually deleted it? Have you deleted your file by mistake, obviously? <laughs> and then, unfortunately, if you've deleted your file, our options are a bit less sophisticated. It's more just a case of check your recycling bin. If you've deleted something and it's not larger than i believe 25 megabytes it should be in your recycling bin right okay so moving on to the last method i i know of to help you with uh, lost files is firstly back up your system you can get fairly good backup software and it's usually not that expensive which just runs on your machine takes a copy of either a specific location on your machine or an entire copy of your machine and it can be saved locally to the cloud or to an external hard drive. And if you've lost a file there, it should hopefully be on your backup. The next option, if 
you don't want to back up your system would be to use a data recovery program. You can find these across the internet. Some are free, but if you want the best results, it's better to pay. And then it's not that expensive, usually anywhere up to about 50 pounds. And this will be a program that you install on your machine and it will scan all of the known locations of where a document could be saved, either in a corrupted state, in an unsaved state, or in a recovery state. And it should be able to compile the document again for you. That's so cool. Of course, there is with the advent of cloud, everyone's talking about the cloud now. So in terms of say Microsoft Word or Excel, if you choose to immediately save your document to the cloud and OneDrive, these applications will turn on automatic saving for you. So every couple of minutes, these applications will do an auto save and back up to the cloud for you. I feel like I've actually learned quite a lot from that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, my worries are now gone. I can auto, I can auto save now. It does happen to me a lot, and I'm I'm trying to work on Google Docs, and because then I know that if I click out, then it will still be there. But yeah, that's good to know that if that happens to me again, which it will, that. <laughs> I have a better idea of what to do. I'll be listening to the podcast again. <laughs> I'll go on to another question. And this one is, <laughs> this one makes me laugh just because we're often told to turn our PCs off and on when we've got issues. Does this actually work? It is the saviour of every single IT person out there. It does work. And it's surrounded in this joke, really, because turn it off and on again always does <laughs> fix it. And we've all seen the IT crowd and that is the, the famous line. but there are so many things that windows does in the background that is not visible to the user and there are millions and millions of processes happening at one time and odds are one of these little processes could break could crash could stall it could just decide that it doesn't want to work today and at that point the only thing that can be done is a restart to force all these little processes to just stop and start again and nine out of 10 cases, most problems are solved by this. Good to know. <laughs> it is the thing, isn't it? Like, Bay, this morning, we had problems setting up the podcast recording stuff. So I emailed Stu, I was like, I don't know what to do. And he did tell me to restart my computer. <laughs> <laughs> it does work. I do feel like you just need, when we call you, Stewie, you should just have like what Roy does in the IT crowd, where he's like, hi, IT, have you, t- have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> Believe me, I've looked into it. <laughs> That'd be lots sort of sorted, but you wouldn't have to speak to any of us. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the whole point, especially in like a, an office environment about IT support. We're there for the one out of 10 cases where it isn't restarted. Gosh. <laughs> but speaking about turning computers off and on again, sometimes laptops just don't turn on. And we had this before, didn't we, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> where I called him like in a panic where I was just started um, working from home. It was like our first all staff meeting. And I was like, obviously, I cannot miss that. And um, I couldn't get my laptop on. And I was freaking out. And Stu and Carl were there to save me. So can you just walk through <laughs> what can you do if your laptop doesn't turn on how can this be caused and what can actually be done to resolve it okay well let's start with the most common cause of why your laptop won't turn on and that's probably going to be your, your battery is dead make sure it's plugged in turned on and the little switch on the wall is turned on as well <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people have 
done that. Anyone in our office? Has anyone in our office called you with like that kind of problem since lockdown? Not not this one particular case, but there have been many cases of where people are adamant something's broken, their computer's broken, they need a new one. And the problem is they've just not turned their screen on. <laughs> oh, no names, but that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we, later on we could do a name of shame. Yes, please. Thank you. Yes, after we finish recording. <laughs> So then if, uh, I mean, I should hope that you tested to make sure your battery's not dead, your laptop's plugged in and all that. But if that still hasn't resolved the problem, most of the time it is going to be something called a residual electrical charge, which is um, causing the issue. So this was what happened on your laptop, Bay, and this is the simple way to fix this is you just remove the power cable, press the power button, press and hold the power button for 30 seconds, which will discharge any electrical current still in your laptop you plug it back in and then just turn the laptop on and that'll fix it and i can confirm that did work and i'm currently working on my work laptop everybody (laughs) yeah if that doesn't work i mean that's a nine out of ten times that will work for the ten percent when that doesn't work the only way to fix a residual power problem would be to remove the battery the physical battery from your laptop now, in most laptops, that's fine. It's usually just on the bottom at the back of your laptop. There's a little switch. If you flick it, the battery will pop out. But in most modern day laptops now, and pretty much every single Apple computer, you can't remove the battery without taking the laptop apart. So that is one just to be wary of. And if you do need to take your laptop apart, one, it will void your warranty. So only do it if you know what you're doing. And two, make sure you have grounded yourself because if you touch your motherboard without being grounded there is a good chance you could mess up your computer right okay when you say grounded what do you mean so to be grounded you need to make sure you've got rid of all electrical current from your body so for that you can be stood on something that isn't metallic so say or any carpet you can't be on carpet as well because that generates static electricity so you need to be stood on something like cardboard or a wooden glossed floor you can touch something metallic as well so usually you touch the side of your laptop if your laptop's metal or you can purchase an anti-static wristband which you put onto your wrist and connect one end to the laptop itself i pray to god that i am never in that situation (laughs) i could just see you now in your kitchen with like a cardboard box under (laughs) under your feet trying to start your laptop yeah so on that would you trust any of us in the office to unscrew our laptops and get the battery out (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) not even me no um especially no (laughs) when you came to me with this with this problem i think i did say in the email that if this doesn't work we will need to take your battery out which i don't recommend and don't want to do so please have you got a personal laptop you can use instead (laughs) Yeah, I had to go to my personal laptop for a little while, didn't I? I to be fair, I wouldn't trust myself with it. Surely electrical currents can kill you. <laughs> I'd be gone. Yeah, I think you'd be more worried about your hair <laughs> than the death. <laughs> I'd be frazzled. <laughs> okay, so we now have some questions sent in by freelancers uh, via Freelance Corner. Firstly from Tom, he says, my laptop battery is so bad that it needs to be plugged in all the time. How can I fix this? That's that's an interesting one. And it, it really comes down to a few different things that you need to consider. So firstly, is what type of laptop do you have? Because I know the laptops that we work on, they are designed for office use and portability. So one of the key things about, say, the Dell Latitude laptops is 
first of all, portability, but secondary is battery life. They spend a lot of money on putting a good battery in there that has a good lifespan. But I do have a personal laptop that is designed exclusively for gaming. That means all of the money, all of the technical advancements have gone into things that benefit gaming. Now, these laptops are horrifically heavy, so they're not designed to be portable, so they don't need to have a good battery life. So that's one thing to take into account is, you know, what is your laptop designed to do? Because that might have an impact on your battery life. Secondly, is just check a few settings in your in your computer. So firstly, is your, your screen brightness? Have you got it turned to the max when you don't need it? Just turn your light on and then you should be fine. Then you've got power settings. So in, in, in a Windows computer, you've got three power settings. You've got your minimal, then your middle ground, then your ultimate high performance power setting. Most of the time, you don't need to have it on the high performance setting. So just dial it down. Then the next one is, a, it's not really going to make much of a difference, but I suppose every little helps is we're all working from home now. So we might be sat next to the router in most houses. So could you be connected to router via an Ethernet cable? If so, turn off your Wi-Fi. It will save a tiny amount of power, but every little helps. The next one as well is not going to make much of a difference, but when you've combined them all together, it could add up to a small amount. That is your disk drive. Do you have a CD in it? If so, eject it. And then all your peripherals, say your mouse, your keyboard, your USB sticks, if you've got a docking station, all of these peripherals take power from your laptop. So if you don't need them, you can remove them as well. And then the final four is really how old is your laptop? If you've got a 10-year-old laptop, your battery is more than likely going to be on the end of its life anyway. So it won't be able to hold much of a charge. Okay. And is it easy to get a replacement battery for most laptops? Yes. If you have a standard laptop, if you've got, say, a Dell, an Asus or a Lenovo, yeah, those laptop batteries can be purchased directly from the supplier. You just need to know your model number and that's it, really. Okay, that's really interesting. I have to say, and this made me laugh so much. So basically, you know, when you said about routers, so I'm signed up to, I don't know if anybody else has signed up to this, like the next door app where you can like, yes. where you speak within your like local communities. And someone said that apparently because of 5G, they put a potato next to their router. <laughs> oh, what? You mean you haven't? <laughs> I mean, I, okay, fine. It was me. It was me. I put the potato next to my router. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was because of de-ionizing devices to protect them from Wi-Fi. Yeah, can I just jump in on this one? Because I just want to spread the message about this whole 5G coronavirus thing. And it's all a load of rubbish. Don't believe it. 5G is not causing it. It's all a conspiracy theory. But there have been a load of devices that have cropped up on the market in the last couple of weeks advertising say peripheral so this one was a usb stick that you plug into your laptop and it will create a 5g resistant bubble around you and it was only 330 dollars oh my word oh my god but we've got another question anyway from tracy she said i want to move my training business online but i'm aware of some of the issues with online video call software so which one is the safest one to use well it depends on what you mean by safe I suppose if we're talking safety in terms of, you know, your, your data security, they're all pretty safe, I suppose. So that does open up a large list of platforms you could turn to. Off the top of my head, I would have to say you've got five options that you could choose. 
So the stand one would be GoToMeeting. Now that is a paid for platform, I believe, but it does offer, I, off the top of my head, I believe 3,000 active participants if you're on their enterprise plan, which is only, I think, £20 a month. Don't quote me on the price, but I believe it's roughly £20 a month for their enterprise plan. The next one would be Zoom. Zoom is something we've all become aware of in the last couple of weeks and is probably one of the most widely used ones. So I would recommend Zoom because they do offer a free and paid package as well. So with the free version, you get, I think it's up to 100 participants for 40 minutes. But then if you start upgrade to say their pro plan, then it allows up to 500 for an unlimited amount of time. Of course, then you've got Google Hangouts, which is free. Never used Google Hangouts but I know that is gaining popularity. And then there's Skype or Skype for Business. Skype for Business, though, is only accessible to people with a 365 business subscription. And then there's Microsoft Teams as well. Okay, so the last question is from Sam, who says, I'm now having to use video calling much more than I had to before. We all are, Sam. And my laptop microphone is rubbish. Can you recommend a microphone to buy or a way to improve my laptop's microphone? Okay, that's a good question. So in terms of improving your microphone quality, I'll start with that one. You only have one option really in terms of this, and that is to keep your microphone and audio drivers up to date. So as long as you're constantly doing Windows updates, then you should be fine. But it's worth looking at your manufacturer's webpage for regular driver updates as well that can be installed by yourself. Then if you're talking about uh, recording, you could look into software to do post-production editing. So you can look at something like noise reduction. But then if you wanted a new microphone, of course, there are thousands out there and you could end up spending a lot of money on a decent microphone. But I would recommend a Blue Yeti. This is a USB plug and play device that is used worldwide by professional streamers, recorders and singers. And it only comes in at about £100. That is so interesting because Faye and I, well, I bought microphones for Faye and I so that we could record this podcast from home. And I ordered two of the same one and they only had one in stock. So Faye got that one and I ordered myself another one. And they both came in at about 20 quid. And Faye's one is brilliant and really good. And my one, it was like I I was trying to record inside a can of Coke. It just did not work. at all and it was like throwing 20 quid away yeah it's kind of like a it's it's like with anything you could spend you know uh 20 quid 30 quid 40 quid and you might get something that's quite decent but i am quite a firm believer of you get what you pay for yeah so the blue yeti is it's worldwide everyone's using them or everyone who's started a career in streaming or recording has probably had a blue yeti at their starting point i'm gonna have to get one of those to spring off my songwriting career my song singing your song singing (laughs) a song singing i'll be the next justin bieber after this (laughs) well um thank god that's all we have time for this episode because i think faye was about to start singing (laughs) (laughs) you'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on freelance corner thanks for listening to freelance party broadcast join freelance corner the online platform for the uk's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk subscribe on the apple podcast app spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from please like share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time thank you so much for joining us stewie and thank you everyone for listening and don't forget to stay safe thanks for having me